0: Welcome to episode 84 of the Ski Podcast and thanks for joining us. A lot has changed since our last podcast, so we'll be focusing on the latest uh, rules about travel and prospects for the season. We do have lots of snow reports, which which is great. Plus, we're looking at a new way of booking ski lessons as well as how to get your kit ready for the season. Now, my name's Ian Martin. I'd like to uh, introduce uh, my guest today. A little bit later, we're going to have Lucy Ashton, online ski editor from The Telegraph, joining us. Uh, She was back in the show in episode 60. But firstly, I'd like to welcome Nick Robinson from Maison Sport. How are you, Nick? Good, Ian. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. Um,
1: It's a pleasure to join you all.
0: Excellent. Well, can I ask you a question? When was the last time you went skiing or snowboarding, Nick?
1: um last time for me would have been towards the end of march last winter but actually up here in scotland in the pentland hills uh, just outside of edinburgh hiked right. up with the skis on my back and uh, had a nice powder run down actually
0: excellent so sorry you were walking uphill and skiing down right exactly yeah what, what kind of run do you get in the pentland hills then
1: not the longest run uh <laughs> fairly flat but it was actually surprisingly good uh, just needed to get up there and get those skis on for the first time in a while
0: OK, and you, did you get the chance to ski in other areas of Scotland last winter?
1: Unfortunately not. Not for me, no.
0: OK, well, hopefully that will happen uh, this winter. And the reason we've got you on is you're from Maison Sports, a, a portal for booking ski lessons. We'll have a little uh, chat about that later. Uh, we've also got today our regulars, uh, Katie Crowe from Battleface Travel Insurance. Hi, Katie. Hi, Ian. And Al Morgan from Ski Kit Info. Hi, Al. Hi, hey, Ian. And we're going to be joined later by Lucy. She's still on the live desk on the Telegraph travel website. So at some point she'll join us. But let's um, let me just start off. As, as you may know, listener, the, this uh, podcast is sponsored by Switzerland Tourism. Now, I really want to make it clear that the ski resorts and the hotels and all the restaurants of Switzerland want everybody to enjoy the country right now. Um, 65% of our listeners to this podcast are from the UK and that means it's currently not possible. I just want to emphasise that Switzerland is, is not going away, it's just temporarily unavailable. Well, and the uh, great news is that within hours of recording that, uh, Switzerland actually reversed that policy and decided that Brits and other nations uh, do are allowed into Switzerland again without any quarantine, although albeit with um, pre-arrival tests, But that is tremendous news and it means that we can look forward to skiing in Switzerland again this winter. Let's move on to the uh, Battleface travel insurance update. Uh, Two weeks ago in episode 83, we had the last minute news that Austria was going into lockdown and that was the start of a really busy week. But first, I just want to put it into context. I mean, this isn't just about ski holidays or the travel restrictions. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who was about to go and visit his parents in South Africa and see them for the first time in three years. And the rules changed on the day he was about to travel. Now, you know, some people are going to miss uh, ski holidays, but um, the, the bigger picture is broader than that. But, you know, we are the ski podcast. So let's start off <laughs> with what's changed since our last episode. Katie, here's your simple task. Can you give us a summary of where we are now?
2: Sure. Yeah. As you rightly said um, on the last podcast, it was literally announced as we were talking that Austria was going into a lockdown, which has now officially been extended until December the 11th, as planned, amid signs that the measures are helping to bring down the sky high coronavirus infection rate. Um, so the lockdown is going to last for a total of 20 days, which the government has said is the longest it's going to last. So yeah, that's the situation in Austria. So yeah, just come
0: back to Austria briefly. I did look at the uh, the the kind of charts the other day, and uh, you know, for there are certainly many disadvantages of a lockdown, but um, one of the pros is that the uh, the rate of uh, coronavirus in Austria has uh, been reversed and is going down. It's still way above what it is in the UK, but it is going down. So that's sort of encouraging. That's
2: that's very encouraging. Yeah. I understand, though, that hospitalizations have continued to rise, even though the rate is going down. But hopefully we'll see that come down, too.
0: What about uh, France, Katie? How are things looking in respect of uh, access to France?
2: Yeah, so it's obviously very different um, for unvaccinated or vaccinated um, arrivals. Um, Arrivals from the UK aged 12 years old or over are required to present evidence of a negative test, PCR or antigen taken within 24 hours of departure
0: yeah i mean uh, that's (laughs) i think as far as France is concerned, if you're not vaccinated and you're not a child, it's uh, out of a. Uh, um, it's not an option either because you're not allowed to go for non-essential travel. But if you're vaccinated, you can go. But I think the key thing you're referring to there is, as of tomorrow, to be able to get the French health pass called the Pass Sanitaire. It is required to go on the lifts. Now, if you're double vaccinated, is not a problem. You can actually show your NHS um, pass uh, through your uh, through the app. But for children they now require, because we know British children aren't going to be double vaccinated, need to have 24 hourly tests to be able to get access to the pass sanitaire and to be able to ski. And when we come around to the Snow Reports uh, a little later, we're going to be jumping around in time a bit. I've actually got an interview coming up with uh, Alex Armand, who's uh, contributed to the show a few times with Snow Reports. She is from Tip Top Ski Coaching and Ladies Out. I'm going to be talking to her about how they've actually been applying that and how they've been testing it. Because notionally, you can't buy a lift pass unless you can show uh, proof of your pass sanitaire uh, and they'll be checking it on the lifts. But we'll see how that works uh, in practice. What about Italy? I think maybe it might be slightly better in Italy, the news.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just this morning, um, the Italian government has finally clarified things. And I'm pleased to tell you that lifts will be accessible with a normal green pass. So that means healed or double vaccinated or tested. And so will ski lessons. However, mountain huts are considered restaurants. So you, you will need a super green pass, either healed or double vaccinated. Um, so, yeah, that's great news that they've clarified that this morning.
0: Cool. That's, that is that is good news. And then one final change. Say you've managed to get over to uh, one of the foreign countries and you're coming back to the UK. We've had a change in that respect as well, which is also a uh, blow.
2: That's right, we've gone back to the old PCR tests now, so new rules on passengers returning to the UK came into force on the 1st of December, and anyone arriving in is now required to take a PCR test on or before their second day in the UK, and they must self-isolate until they receive a negative test result. Um, The new measures are going to be reviewed every three weeks, but Boris Johnson is currently facing pressure to introduce pre-departure tests for travellers coming to the UK as well.
0: Okay, well, I mean, I've shared a post this morning or tweeted that uh, Grant Chaps has said that that pre-departure test will not happen. So I like his confidence, although uh, slightly after the horse has bolted, he says, well, we don't want to destroy the travel industry, which made me smile in an ironic way. And of course, believe it or not, shortly after we recorded that, the government brought in pre-return testing. So uh, great to hear that Grant Chaps doesn't want to destroy the travel industry. But sadly, you now have to have a negative test within 48 hours of your return to the UK. I'm due to go out to Lehmann Weir in uh, nine days' time. I'm still not fully 100% optimistic that that trip will happen, but uh, hopefully it will. And my plan on the way back is, so I've already bought my PCR test. I'm going to have it on me before, uh, you know, while I'm traveling. I'm traveling by train. As soon as I get back into the UK, I'm going to take that test. I'm going to drop it off at a Randox Dropbox within an hour of getting back into the UK. So on day zero, which you're allowed to do, you don't have to take that test on day two. And I should have my result back by midnight the following day. So in all probability, if all goes well, I'll be out of action in quarantine for one day. So it is possible to to get around that, let's say. Katie?
2: Yeah, you can get a PCR test on, on arrival as well at the airport. So um, which would be much faster turnaround than using the Royal Mail um system in place because you know, you have the possibility of your your test going missing. You know, I've heard I've read a lot of stories of people's tests going missing or not even receiving the kits as well.
0: I think those tests might be more expensive. I did do a bit of research While I'm kind of uh, almost reluctant to use Randox because I'm aware that, uh, you know, they gave Owen Paterson 100 grand to help promote them. I have used them successfully quite a lot in my travels um, during 2021 and they've been very uh, reliable. And when I did the uh, five day test and release back in July, you know, they got that uh, clearance back to me, you know, when they said uh, they would. So so that was my thinking uh, behind that. Uh, and then one more thing uh, on all of the travel side of things. Um, I think, you know, the definition of what being fully vaccinated is seems to be uh, changing. It looks, as far as I understand it, that from mid-January in France, the uh, if, you, if you're any more than seven months after your second vaccination, you'll have to have had a booster as well to be considered fully vaccinated. Any stance on that, Katie?
2: Oh, it's just move. It's constantly changing. So it's very difficult to keep up with what fully vaccinated means. But I'm sure we'll get a clearer picture as we move through this. Yeah,
0: well, it is changing the whole time. And I just want to, you know, uh, as a reminder, the reason we have you on, I mean, uh, you represent Battleface Travel Insurance. I, I wondered if you could just remind us what that Battleface cover covers you for in respect of the COVID aspects.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Battleface products products protect travelers regardless of traffic light, color and FCDO advisories and are available and accessible to all. Um, In addition, our travelers currently in the region can purchase a policy on the move. So if you're already out in France and you need to purchase a travel insurance policy, you can do so. We have winter sports cover, which provides medical expenses for accidents and illnesses on the slopes, uh, as well as additional benefits for sports equipment. Um, so, yeah, and I'd also recommend that you check out our travel hub, which gives you up to date information on entry requirements, restrictions, visas. It's a really up to date tool which you can just log on to on the Battle Phase website and basically put in your origin of travel, your destination, and you can get all the information you need in terms of what the requirements are for your travel.
0: Excellent. That, that's great. Right. Well, let's not forget that resorts are open and there actually is some really good snow out there. And, you know, skiing is on again. Now, unbelievably, I think we'll see how this comes out in the edit. But I think we have eight snow reports this week. I might even release it as a separate episode. There's so many of them. And so, listener, that's exactly what we did. Now, if you are sensible and you subscribe to Ski Podcast, you'll already know and will have already listened to this episode. But if not, you can listen to uh, Charlie Reese reporting from Switzerland, Dave Burrows from Glacier 3000, Andy Butterworth from St. Anton, Keith Webb from Caprun, Luca Caruso from Chavinia, and Steve Angus from Val d'Isère. And I'm delighted to be able to uh, add to that an interview I did yesterday with Alex Armand. From Tip Top Ski Coaching, who is based in Ladies Alp. And she tells us not only about the ski conditions, but also how the pass sanitaire is being checked. Great. So I'm, I'm here right now with uh, Alex Armon from Tip Top Ski Coaching in Ladies Alp. Uh, hi, Alex. How are you?
3: Hi, I'm very well. Thank you.
0: Uh, I'm very jealous of you because in the green room just now, you told me you've been skiing today. Uh, normally, you're based in Ladies Alp, but right now, you're elsewhere. Remind us where you are.
3: That's correct. So uh, I'm in Chavinia this weekend. So I've been skiing this morning in fantastic conditions.
0: Right. Okay. go on then. Tell us about it. What was the snow?
3: (laughs) Well, it's under the Matterhorn, so it's spectacular. Um, And the snow conditions, it snowed a bit overnight. Uh, Beautifully bashed piece. um, Absolutely wonderful, groomed, um, fantastic piece. Okay.
0: now I've skied there on, uh, on the Matterhorn Glacier Paradise before. Can you ski down from... Uh, down to Chavinia is that all open? On yeah, you side? can ski all
3: the way down to Chavinia now. Um, I've been across to Zermatt, but we haven't skied all the way down to Zermatt. So, um, but the the glacier in Zermatt was in great condition as well.
0: So normally, Alex, so you're based in Le Alp and you sent us some really great snow reports from there during the autumn uh, half term period, and that was really good to get a feel for how things were going and the lifts were opening again. But I think there's out open for the winter season uh, last weekend. But this weekend, the pass sanitaire, the health pass, came into play. And you have to have it to be able to ski. What I'm particularly interested in was how was that pass sanitaire health pass being checked during the course of the day? Do you have any information on that?
3: So you need to produce your pass sanitaire in order to buy your lift pass. Um, However, you only need to produce the pass sanitaire for the list part the person that's buying them so if you're buying for the whole family it's only your pass sanitaire that you need to show um and then they have put signs up at the bottom of all of the lists which explain in french and english uh and states the law um, that you need the pass sanitaire in order to ski um and the theory is that there will be random checks on the hill
0: OK. And when you say when you say the theory, was there any evidence hmm. of that in practice?
3: Not a lot. But my experience here in Chavinia uh, on the path sanitaire is that they are strictly checking the cabins and not the open airlifts. And the Gendry Express has been closed all weekend because of high winds. So um, so we don't have any experience of whether that is going to be the the case.
0: Yeah, the Jondra Express being the the main uh, uh, bubble lift gondola in Laders out.
3: Correct, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, so maybe it's still early on, but what you're saying is, okay, signs out making it very clear, um, needing to prove it to buy your lift pass, but not necessarily needing to prove it for all members of your group, just for the individual themselves who bought the pass.
3: Uh, yeah, that's correct at the moment. I mean, I, I think that the rules evolve and change regularly. Uh, and the law is that you need a pass sanitaire in order to ski uh, and they have the right to check you at any moment. So I think it would yeah. be silly to ski without the pass in yeah. or, you know, in your pocket or on your phone or, or however you choose. To. For
0: sure. I mean, I, I get that it would. But, you know, you'd be surprised. I work for a <laughs> few different people on Twitter and I've seen people saying, but so what will happen if I get caught? Like, uh, I don't know I, what the answer that, is,
3: but I, I, I wouldn't want to that try it. I don't think tried and tested as yet, so uh, um, I suspect that you won't get through on the the Gendry Express on the uh, on the lift. And I also expect that they will check uh, much more during the um, uh, during the holidays when it's busy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that makes sense. And and when you were last in uh, skiing in Lady Désert, what were the conditions like there, Alex?
3: Um, absolutely fantastic. So it's, all it's done is snow for days and days and days at the moment in Désert. So uh, so whilst when it opened, we could only open the glacier, in fact, because uh, the snow was uh, was quite thin lower down. Uh, yeah. It's now open down to the village, and uh, and it just continues and continues and continues to snow at the moment in Désert, which is fantastic.
0: Great. Well, that's wonderful news. Personally, I am due to go to ladies out with my family on a family holiday, but not until April. So God knows what the situation will be then. I think in all probability, my children who are currently single vaccinated because of their age will probably be double vaccinated by then. So this whole past sanitary thing will be less of an issue for us. All I want, though, is just to be able to go there. So hopefully, Alex, we'll be able to meet in person uh, later on this season in April. And in the meantime, that would be thank lovely. You, thank you very much for all of your snow reports.
3: No problem.
0: So jumping around in time let's go back to Friday again when Lucy joined us direct from the Telegraph travel desk. So Lucy you've just been able to join us you come live straight from the uh, Telegraph travel desk where uh, I notice you've brought back your rolling uh, blog again I imagine you've probably been quite exhausted uh, from the last week welcome back to the podcast.
4: Thank you for having me back. And yes, what a week to be back. Yeah, it's
0: it's a shocker, isn't it? Yeah. Um, You missed out on the question, uh, which I ask all my guests early on. So let's start with something uh, more cheerful. When were you last uh, skiing or snowboarding?
4: If the UK counts, I went to Chill Factor in Manchester last Monday. In preparation for what I thought was going to be my first trip this winter, if we're thinking foreign skiing, it was Kitspool for the Hannum Cam race last January. So that's just January, January 2020. So a long time ago, it feels.
0: Yeah, well, that was a long time ago. Chill Factory definitely counts. We've had quite a a few people on the show whose last skiing on snow has been uh, indoors. But um, okay, I've got to bring up uh, that now. Then you said you, you were at your factory uh, in preparation for a trip you were about to take or are about to take. Has that had those circumstances changed?
4: The circumstances feel like they've changed every hour for the past four days. It's um, so we were due to fly out to Canada tomorrow morning. Um, we were due to fly to Toronto and then out to Quebec. Um, For the opening of the new Club Med there. However, what a lot of people haven't quite realised, because it hasn't been widely reported, mainly because the Canadian government have yet to confirm the rules, they have brought in mandatory testing on arrival for all UK citizens and you have to isolate until you get those test results it has been a turbulent few days ringing embassies ringing airlines even the operators on the ground trying to get to the bottom of how these rules will work and the long and short of it is no one knows but they are apparently in force
0: right I'm very sorry to hear that so it sounds therefore rather than taking any risks or dealing with that the uncertainty that trip is not going ahead.
4: Yeah, so we made the call last night. It, it, it does. We've realized in situations like this, you get so caught up in it because we're so desperate to ski and so desperate to get out there. It sometimes helps to take a step back and think about it. If you're an outsider looking in on this situation, especially with Christmas coming up and so much going on, would you take the risk and? unfortunately, yeah, we've decided we are lucky in that we can postpone the flights. Air Canada have got a really flexible policy on that. So we're just going to postpone to later, later in the season. And I've actually been told today, it's about minus 17 in Quebec. So I'm maybe, I'm maybe not missing out on, on much.
0: Right? Well, that is a shame. But that is really indicative of how um, the last week or two weeks have been. And you're, you know, working uh, in publishing in travel for The Telegraph probably gets uh, um, more attention than than any of the other newspapers, uh, particularly from the travel side of things. I actually ended up subscribing to The Telegraph, which wouldn't have been my normal political alignment. But the travel has been so good throughout all of the COVID side of things, I felt I needed to. It must be almost impossible. I mean, how do you deal with live reporting when rules are, are changing as quickly as they do I mean for example last Saturday evening I was um with my my wife and mother-in-law they were discussing a trip to Switzerland they were going to do and during the course of the evening that trip just fizzled away how, you know, how do you deal with that sort of stuff
4: so from a travel news desk we um we work quite well with the rest of the news desk at the Telegraph. Um, A lot of news filters in from foreign reporters news wires we have to rely especially from a ski point of view um i rely heavily and really appreciate the contacts across the industry who keep me up to date with what's going on um so yeah last saturday was um a bit of a frantic one but we get word of we get word of things and then we pull together as a team to make sure we've got all the updates up to date and then start the rolling blog um We actually started the live travel rolling blog again yesterday because we just see the trend and the demand from readers for those live updates as things are changing so quickly. But, yeah, it's very much a group effort, relying on our resources, um, having good contacts in places that we can that we can rely on and just very much being able to drop everything in some cases and respond
0: Yeah, well, it can be extremely difficult. And you you mentioned it in relation to your uh, trip to Canada, trying to find out the information, because it's often very uh, unclear. So on Saturday night, it was made clear that Switzerland was bringing in a quarantine for British people and some other nations, which was going to uh, apply immediately. But let's move on to something that we didn't cover uh, uh, earlier. You know, Katie wanted to uh, bring it up, which is the whole situation in relation to transit at Geneva Airport. I mean, this story ran and ran for days before yeah. it was uh, cleared up. And just to clarify for the listener, if you're not kind of familiar with this, many flights for um, French ski resorts come into Geneva. People hop on a transfer bus or hire a car, etc., and drive to France. Now, did you have to quarantine when you arrive into Switzerland? <laughs> like, that's you know, how did you find out? I mean, it was when I was looking into it, it was almost impossible to know. So
4: this was, again, it was a very good joint effort between myself, um, Abigail Butcher, who does live news coverage for us, and also the main Telegraph news desk. So that just shows how big of a story it was. Um, They got in touch with me saying what what does this mean? Is it a big impact? I said, this could be huge if they implement this quarantine on the people traveling on to France or Italy, then this 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 is massive. So it was a case of um, key contacts with the tourist board um, who let us know there was going to be a press conference. They then released a document in German. Um, that just disappeared into the ether of the internet, which we managed to hunt down, translate. And that was kind of where we got the inkling that it was going to be okay. It was then pushing and pushing. And at times you do feel like the bad guy in these situations, hounding people for information, but we are doing it for the benefit of the reader. Um, And then, yeah, we finally got the English version through. But like you say, it felt like it was running and running for at least a day.
0: For sure. And one of the, you know, the really frustrating uh, issues about that, not realistically so much uh, for me, but uh, for example, Interski, who is a uh, operator who takes people to the Aosta Valley in Italy, had clients who flew out on Sunday and they were flying into Geneva Airport. Some of those people were turned away and prevented from boarding the aircraft. Some of those people were turned away at the Swiss border in Geneva. And some of the people went through. And, you know, inconsistency like that is is maddening and frustrating because there was no way of proving to anyone what the rules were.
4: And that's the inconsistency that has put me off the Canada trip tomorrow, because if the airports don't know how to implement these things, if the airlines don't have a clue, how is the passenger supposed to have any confidence that they're not going to have everything thrown up in the air so yeah we were really glad when we got to the bottom of the Geneva thing and if I'm honest my gut instinct um, told me that it it would be okay because uh, part of what we did was we looked back at the rules they had enforced last year when there were different rules between Switzerland and France and just tried to think right well they allowed them through last year What would what what would make them change that this time around and just try to have a balanced opinion on it and see, like, logically, what will they do? I mean, I know logic doesn't come into it sometimes at the moment, but (laughs) yeah, that that was how that all all developed.
0: Yeah. Okay. well, on a a more positive uh, note, then I have read an article uh, by you where uh, the headline was closing is not an option in relation to uh, French uh, ski resorts. And that was quite a scoop, I think, because you interviewed the French Minister of State for Tourism. You know, how did you line that one up?
4: So um, we were approached actually by um, Atou France, which is the company that looks after tourism relations for the entirety of France. Um, And I think they just picked up on a lot of the coverage we'd done on the opening of the opening of ski resorts and also our coverage last winter. And I'd, I'd actually had a conversation with them and said, look, I'd be really keen just to have a really frank and honest conversation to get to the bottom of this. This is going to be huge, huge, Um, of huge interest to our readers so yeah they facilitated it with the cabinet it got pushed back quite a bit actually it was supposed to run about three weeks earlier than it did but I was I was impressed with the answers that I got we know that politicians can somewhat beat around the bush if they want to but he gave some really insightful quotes didn't shy away from the questions about the past sanitaire on ski lifts yeah and it, it was really useful to our readers and just to publish it in full format of question, answer, question, answer, because sometimes you don't get that with interviews anymore. I just thought that's the best way. You're going to give all the readers every single bit of information they could want. Great. Um, well, it's
0: certainly, uh, you know, a an encouraging headline saying French resorts, you know, closing is not an option. Uh, and I, I really hope that is a situation. What is your sense for how... rest of this season is going to play out we've already covered the different challenges in in Austria Switzerland Italy etc
4: I think the French will stick by that if we focus on France I don't think they'll close um and that's the, the resorts point of view and the government's point of view the risk comes at the border um which is out of the resorts um control I'm I'm positive. I'm, the way I'm looking at it now is so many countries are bringing in testing as a barrier of defence, rather than blanket closures and um, border like closed borders. Full stop. I'm hoping that's the way it's going to go. However, that does have implications on the on the on the season and for families and for it, it just adds a cost to a holiday that ski holidays have never been really a cheap option just to give you an example now I'm trying to rearrange something for this I've got a week's holiday I'm desperate to ski Mm. I want to get somewhere to look at testing to get me out to France now that they've brought in the new rule uh, this weekend about having to test before you get there I'm looking at close to 300 quid for two PCR tests to get into France if I want them to fly tomorrow that That's the hurdle I think the season's going to have to get over. And I think it will have impacts. Um, I know people who have become a bit more nervous um, after, after the introduction of the Red List. Are they going to tighten the quarantine? But for now, I think resorts are going to stay open. It's a case of British skiers using that drive and that eagerness in them to want to get back skiing, to actually hurdle all these things and have the faith that once you get there, it will all be worth it because that's what's driving me at the moment, that that faith that once I'm stood on the top of that mountain, the whole past 20 months will be worth it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, that's a definitely a good positive uh, note to close with. And I can say that last winter I did end up getting out to Cromontana in December just before you know everything closed as far as British people are concerned. And uh, what you're talking about there, being able to uh, stand on the mountain, being able to ski, being just being out there really meant uh, a lot to me at the time. So hopefully, and let's stay positive uh, you know, France uh, will continue to open, Austria will reopen and Switzerland uh, will review uh, their uh, current policy. And there are obviously sh- other places that you can ski as well.
4: You probably should just say as well, It's we need to, if we're looking at the positive side of this, it's good they're doing this now. Like they're doing this before the main bulk of the season gets underway. And you have to have some sort of faith in the fact that, right, OK, Austria comes out of lockdown on the 13th. Switzerland have put this quarantine in but it it can't last forever. They're doing it now before the mass the masses hope to get out to the slope. So let's hope that's a good precursor for the the main peak of the season.
0: Okay, well let's let's move on from that uh, positive point. That's a uh, brilliant Lucy. Thank you very much for that. Well, the brilliant news is that Lucy did manage to make it out to the Alps and she got to Val Terrenz at the weekend. And I'm delighted to uh, include her report for Val Terrenz that she did for Telegraph Travel and Telegraph Ski and Snowboard, which you can listen to now.
4: I'm in Val Thorens for the opening day of the Three Valleys ski area and after one of the most turbulent weeks for travel in the past year with new rules all over the world, including in Europe ski resorts... I'm back and I can tell you for 100% that that feeling I've harped on about for the past 20 odd months about how great it will feel once you get back to the mountains is true. It's brilliant. I've got powder at my feet, it's snowing, it's due to snow all week and the ski is everywhere. The mood is just fantastic. The mountains are open and we're back. It's worth it.
0: I'm going to move on to our other guest today, which is uh, Nick Robinson from Maison Sport. Hi, Nick, uh, and welcome to the Ski Podcast. Hi, and thanks. I think probably the best place to start is uh, if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, Maison Sport, what it is and and how the idea came about.
1: Okay, great. Um, So Maison Sport is a platform for independent ski instructors. So it's a place for skiers and snowboarders to book lessons in almost every resort across Europe. And the real difference is between our platform and your sort of traditional ski school is that instructors all work for themselves. They set their own availability. They choose their own pricing, time slots, etc. Um, and then as a customer, you can go on, search in the resort that you're traveling to, choose your instructor based on their profile, pricing, availability, qualifications, etc. And then, yeah, in terms of from our side, we obviously make sure that all those instructors are verified. So you actually receive a lesson from similar instructors that you would from a ski school but there's just a bunch of uh, benefits that are in there to you as a customer. So
0: can I ask a question then so are are all of the instructors on there independent instructors or are are you booking lessons through the ESF as well?
1: No they are are 99.9% of them will be truly independent instructors. Uh, There is obviously a few instructors on there that have uh, agreements with their ski schools where they can maybe sell some spare time outside of um, whatever agreement they have with with that said ski school, um, but yeah, no, they are they are truly independent instructors. So by coming onto Mazel Sport, you're finding a different instructor that you would through any of the sort of normal ski schools that you see when you go to a resort.
0: Okay. And so the main upside uh, for skiers is you can also, apart from obviously looking through the resorts, and I had a look at the website earlier, and there are a lot of resorts uh, uh, covered uh, on there. Um, So finding someone from your resort, you can fit them to your particular requirements as well and establish, obviously, whether people actually speak English or, uh, you know, are good with children, etc. in advance.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's highly flexible. So you can go on, um, yeah, you can sort of filter by language, uh, ability, um, and then really, yeah, just find sort of times and lessons that suit you. And also price, the price is, there's actually a really, really wide range of prices. Um, instructors that have been using the site for a long time typically will charge a lot more. They've got a lot of reviews. There's a lot more confidence in them uh, in terms of the consumer booking them. The main, the real The main benefits are really that, that sort of mixture of choosing your instructor, the reduced pricing. So typically, ski lessons can be up to fifty percent cheaper, whereas obviously, no middleman in the same way there is with a traditional ski school. So the instructors are increasing the amount they earn on an hourly rate compared to what they get paid for a ski school. But they're kind of just that's been passed directly on. Is
0: it pan-European or is it you know directed? Predominantly at the at the Euro, at the the UK market for UK skiers and snowboarders. It is pan-European,
1: so uh, we've made a big push over the past uh, 18 months in particular. Um, it was always our intention to move towards the domestic markets in France in Italy, et cetera, and Italy, etc., Switzerland. Um, but we pulled that forward with COVID, um, the travel bans like we were just discussing earlier. Um, that issue of um, UK skiers traveling and it very much being a border issue is something that we were concerned about um, as a business. And so it's kind of forced us to actually target those markets a lot earlier. And we've, yeah, we've actually had a lot of success over the past 18 months in that, which has been great.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned uh, reviews. I mean, I, I, in my day job, I do digital marketing and I'm constantly pointing out to uh, my clients that having reviews make a lot of difference. You know, I think we all know from a consumer point of view, if you're looking between two different products and one of them has got a bunch of reviews and the other one hasn't, you're much more inclined to go with that. And so the reviews are clearly an important uh, part of it. And I guess every user is encouraged to leave a review after they've made a booking.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, once you've had your lesson, you're invited to leave review and we have a really high review rate uh, It's actually up over 70 percent of all lessons are reviewed. So right. you get a really good picture of um, yeah how that instructor performs. And, you know, not every instructor on the site is going to give the same level of service as each other. Um, and therefore, we, we very much wanted to have an open platform where people people were reviewed. And if they didn't do a good job, then that review was shown. Um, one of the really interesting aspects for there, and I'm an instructor myself, and um, during our first couple of winters, was working on the platform. And something that wasn't expected when we created was was the fact that you know, as an instructor, that the review is going to be left. Like the, the chances are, it's going to be left. So. Um, it's something that's on your mind through the lesson. And, yeah, you should always obviously be doing the best job you can on the hill. But to have that extra sort of pressure behind you, you know the customer's going to come on and lead that review. Hey, I mean,
0: I I entirely agree with you. I think that's good. I think, uh, you know, the the kind of throwaway comment that some people would do to make a criticism about instruction would be to say, oh, well, uh, you know, the instructor just, you know, was – rolling out another uh, lesson. I think this maybe would keep people focused. I think maybe that might be typically much more to be the lessons that more people come across, which is kids, you know, 10 lesson group lessons during uh, peak season. Yeah, Is that that coming to play as well? It sounds like it's probably more for private lessons.
1: Yeah, the focus for us very much at the moment has been on that, on the private side. But I guess trying to make them more accessible to more people. Um, Private lessons typically have been pretty overpriced. So by taking the ski school out of the equation and the instructor able to increase their earnings, um, the customer is being charged less. And we also try to really push the fact that it seems to be not particularly well known that um, within private lessons you can book multiple children into those lessons if they're of similar ability uh, you can have friends families join etc cetera, etc cetera. and so when you actually break it down uh, you get above uh, three children it's often actually cheaper to book a private instructor for that week yeah i
0: mean it's interesting what you're saying i mean i was discussing with my wife what we're going to do when when we go on holiday as we hopefully do uh, later on this year and I think with my kids, you know, they're now the um, world. They'll be 15 by the time we go on that trip, and they've they've gone beyond uh, the kind of group lessons yet they're not you know fully technically proficient so they still need to learn and the way to do it is to book a private instructor and so you know that's exactly uh, the right way of doing it actually we have some other families going as well similar abilities so maybe we can group them in and and bring the cost down I, i'm interested to know you mentioned your instructor like what prompted you to to start it did you start it
1: Uh, Yeah, so it was started by myself, uh, my brother, Ollie, and a good friend of ours, Aaron. Uh, We were all actually previously on the British ski team as ski racers, um, and so naturally moved into becoming ski instructors. Um, And actually, I took took time out of the industry and um, worked in finance for three or four years and just had to get back out on the hill and back onto the slopes. Um, And we actually um, took over an existing ski school, which was Supreme Ski School, which was based out of Courchevel at the time. Yep. Um, and after running that for about 12 months, we, we kind of really knew firsthand the pain points of that traditional model, both for the <laughs> customer and the instructor. Um, and so, yeah, we've seen across other industries this sort of model uh, be applied and felt that actually, you know what, in the sort of niche ski lesson market, it fitted really, really well. So just kind of pursued it from there. We, we had a lot of friends that were independent instructors. The internet revolution hadn't, hadn't dealt them a very good set of cars, so to speak. Um, they were struggling with their sort of SEO online, all these types of things. So we really wanted to kind of help them fight back and um, compete with the sort of larger ski schools in resort. Great. And when you were racing, what was your discipline then? Kind of, we were kind of forced to race across all disciplines, but I was very much a slalom skier. Um, yeah, loved, loved loved the slalom. And uh, after after several downhills and a few too many crashes, decided that I think the, f- the future, we used to regularly drive past Kitzbühel on the way to other races around Austria. And I would just look look up at the hill and just, basically agree with myself that i would never race that i'd never head, head down that hill And i think at that point i was like you know what it's best to just put the downhill balls away and uh, stick to the sticks to the short skis
0: right so you were racing around uh, austria what on europa cup uh, or uh, in so your I,
1: circuit i stopped like the year i got to the europa cup team was the was the year i stopped racing um unfortunately around that period of time i had a, I had a leg an untimely leg break um yeah just before the Vancouver Olympics um, and the governing body actually went into administration around that time. Yeah. So all the funding was cut. And uh, for anyone that's involved with ski racing, we you know it's, an imp- it's a very expensive sport and yeah, yeah. you have to make sure. Well, I don't think there's
0: expensive. any, that you said it's an untimely leg break. I don't think there is a timely <laughs> leg break. Is uh, I can see how that uh, works. Well, you seem to have transitioned into your uh, new career really well there. So um I'll put a link to the uh, show notes in there and also I noticed on the website you can you can book lessons but it's a, a fully refundable 20% deposit if you're booking lessons
1: for this winter as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've we've kind of responded to um, everyone's nerves around COVID. And yeah, we offer really flexible cancellation policies, etc. So definitely best just to get your lessons booked in. Uh, you can cancel them, cancel them at a later date if need be. Um, but getting them secured and yeah, with that 20% deposit. It makes cool. Sense.
0: Okay. And, and are you? do you have any trips planned, Nick? Are you hoping to get out to the mountains?
1: I'm actually hoping to get out. You were saying nine days earlier. I think I'm around around a similar sort of date. So okay. fingers crossed. I'm looking to head out to the Port de Soleil and uh, and yeah, the snow looks good. So really excited. Yeah.
0: Fingers crossed for both of us on, on that one then. Excellent. Um, let's uh, let's move on. Um, this is, you know, uh, regular listeners uh, uh, will know that I went to the National Ski Show in the Birmingham NEC. Well, just over a month ago now, maybe six weeks ago. While I was there, I caught up with Caroline Elliott, who was on the show in episode 47. Now, I talked to uh, her about her new book, which is all about avalanche rescue dogs. So uh, I'm with uh, Caroline Elliot at the uh, National Snow Show in uh, Birmingham. In my hand I've got a copy of Fjord's Mountain Mission. I've just been having a look through. Long-time listeners will remember that I interviewed uh, Caroline about Fjord and uh, mountain rescue dogs. Can't remember what the episode is, but I'll put the link into the show notes. Um, hi, Caroline, how are hi, you? Hi, and
5: it's nice to actually finally meet you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Meeting face-to-face is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the uh, book? You know, what, what is Fjord's Mountain Mission? What's the story being okay. told?
5: Fjord's Mountain Mission is um, a story about Fjord, my old uh, and incredible legend of an uh, avalanche dog. Um, his day up the hill with me. Um, so we look at the, um, the moment I go bombing in the mornings to the moment he jumps in the, um, the cable car, and we just go around the hill. And it's lots of fun, he does lots of silly things, and at the same time, we're learning snow safety um, subliminally with little messages.
0: Yeah, so we're saying it's a children's book. I mean, it's got brilliant illustrations yeah, uh, in it. Here, yeah, it's quite yeah. chunky. Yeah. Be a good one to kind of read with your kids at bedtime yeah. yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, and and it's um I see on the back here I've got you know a few logos. It's endorsed by uh, a few organisations as well. Yeah,
5: it's been brilliant. Yeah, the Fists in Switzerland, um, their Snow Kids um, kind of um, program has endorsed the book. They've seen the, um, the kind of gap in the market, so to speak. There is education, but it just depends if you've got a good ski instructor. And sometimes not all the ski instructors will explain the fist ten, ten rules um, of co- conduct on the slopes. Um, so, yeah, we kind of basically put all that into one book. It's very visual. As you said, the illustration are incredible. It's 135 pages. So you're getting a lot for your... Um, yeah. Yeah, your money in, in no, the No, it's good. It's, and, you know, it's...
0: I love the illustrations. They're great. I'll, I'll put uh, 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 a link to one of those images in the, in the show notes uh, as well. Yeah. Um, for sure. And and now, you, um, you're you not working with uh, Fjord anymore. You no, have a no, uh, no. new dog who's just yeah. in front of us, having yeah. great fun here. Getting been stroked to death
5: at the what, ski what's show. What's uh, her name? Her name is Kayla, which is Swedish. Okay. Uh, the... The theme. There's a little story behind that. Kayla means or Shirla, as they pronounce it. It means um, water spring or source. Okay. And um, so, what's going to happen with Kayla is hopefully she's going to be the mum to the next avalanche dog.
0: Oh, okay, right. Fjord's avalanche dog. Okay.
5: Because I took Fjord for a little.
0: Yeah, I understand. Little yeah. Little
5: session on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I didn't know he was going to die. Bless him. Um, I say he passed away. So he ate too many socks and. Yeah, that wrecks your stomach, so a bit of a hint to anyone. Don't let your dog eat socks. Don't eat socks yourself, because you have to pull them at your bottom. Um, But yeah, Kayla's going to be a great mum. Um, And so
0: she might be a mountain. So might we see a follow-up book, uh, which will be Kayla's mountain mission or something um, like that? Not
5: avalanche, because there's no female avalanche dogs in France.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I so did not know that. No,
5: no, 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 there's not, because what do women do, or females do? Right, okay. They put males off. Yeah. The job, so Yeah, okay. So they made a ruling. Italy, you can have to be female and an avalanche dog. Switzerland, you can be female and an avalanche dog, but in France, you got to be male.
0: Okay, there's some uh, reason it doesn't surprise me to, to hear that France has a higher <laughs> level of bureaucracy uh, than elsewhere. Well, so, Fjords Mountain Mission, yeah. really good book. I think uh, in a, if you're looking uh, to get something for your kids mm-hmm. for the Christmas stocking or a uh, you know kids who love skiing kids who love skiing and who love animals will really enjoy oh, no, no, uh definitely. this book the
5: pictures are so incredible they yeah. she's really in captured whole you know the day up the mountain with fjord and avalanche rescue at the end all the names of our, no spoilers yeah <laughs> no no the all the end names of the people in there actually are real people right um, from frank the children's entertainer to jerry the helicopter pilot to um uh, there's lots of lots of people do some good stuff yeah
6: yeah. cool
0: all right well that's great caroline thanks very much uh and talking of shows uh this week i went to the launch of the london ski and snowboard festival which is uh due to be on in october 2022 uh, and uh it was pretty spectacular it's going to be held at evolution which is the same location that it was held in the previous years obviously it didn't happen last year uh, they were hoping to relaunch it again uh, then i spoke to kieran summerhays and he told me uh, his idea for how the show is going to look so i'm here with uh, kieran summerhays from the event lab and kieran you are responsible for uh, making the London Ski Show or Ski and Snowboard Show happen yes. next year in October. We're at the launch event today. I'm really interested in, in your kind of philosophy for how it's going to be different. What is it going to be like? What can people look forward to next year?
7: Oh well, I'd look for, for for people that haven't seen it yet, the, what Smarts do very well is the whole theatre of an event. It's the whole spectacle. It's about making people feel like they're almost in resort and. What we're finding is that we want to get people to the show and there's certain people that will go, there's certain people that live in the South East, certain people in London, and certain people that go to an exhibition. But one of the problems I think we all face in the ski industry is that the new skiers or new to ski, and I would also include those that have maybe had kids and haven't returned for five years. If you want to get them back skiing, then we need to do something a little bit special. I think part of it is breaking down barriers, which is, putting it in central London, putting a ski slope where everyone can come and ski for free and putting everything on their doorstep. The second bit is once they come to the event is actually feeling like they're out into the mountains and that's where all of the theater comes in all of the props come in all of the features the content the speakers. yeah i
0: mean we haven't seen your full show yet but just now we retreated to you know pretty uh, um outrageous uh, entertainment and then, you know you wanted you said you wanted to make it feel like it's a ski resort it feels like that in there i like the you know you've got the um the french post office uh, uh yeah, sign cute. in there and a, a zermatt uh, sign and a few other things like that and you've got snow actually falling yeah, in the there, corner there. there will be snow. so
7: you know you, that's the main thing you're thinking of it's going to feel much more like a ski resort environment i, I, th- I think that's yeah I, th- I think certainly that's visually that's 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 going to be one of the things that, pe- that that hit people when they come in you know the real snow coming down there's gondolas as you can see hanging from the ceilings um, there's fireplaces, uh, the, the Dolly Foose that's in there um, will be outside, um, I won't try and give too much away before okay. the event, um, but outside will look like Winter Wonderland, like a, a snowy snowy Disneyland in Battersea, but that theme will continue right throughout the vin- venue, but that's just the visual start of it, that's just to make people feel like they're in resort. They're the the amount of retail that we have here, the content that we're gonna have here, the speakers that we're gonna have here, there's just gonna be a lot more to see and do. if if you we've trying to cater for all ages, so if your young kids and they haven't skied before, yeah, got to make sure they're entertained because if you want their parents to sit down for sure, and go and it's, going to, it's
0: going to be during half term as well, isn't absolutely, it? Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so having a you know that that's great. Well, I'm really conf- and you've actually been running the show here in London for the Telegraph in previous years, haven't you?
7: Correct. Yes, yes, yes. So it's slightly different. Um, so yes, absolutely. I mean, the the Telegraph bought the Ski and Snowboard Show um, from Voss Media, and we uh, then took it from its days at Olympia, which is sort of mainly retail focused, um, to a uh, I guess half experiential event, sort of half trade event. The sort of I guess the next phase of that now, with the with the support and the investment. From Smart is now to make this uh, just a full-blown experiential event that loads of people will want to come to. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Can you just remind us what the dates are going to be? Yes, it's the 27th to the 30th of October 2022.
0: Okay. Cool. So only uh, 11 months to wait, but then uh, we'll see you there. Thanks very much, Kieran. That's great. Brilliant. Thank you. As I said, the launch was pretty spectacular. I think that it's hard to know with these shows whether it will genuinely be uh, different, but if it's anything like that launch evening, I would imagine it to be kind of uh, louder, more colourful, and more going on. Yeah, you know, they talk about the uh, the avant ski and the après ski. The avant skis being what goes on in the day, and the après ski, I think there'll be a lot more happening then. But yeah, we'll see about that. Now, uh, Al, I'm going to bring you in if that's okay. Uh, especially for our equipment section, Al from ski kit Info. Um, I was asking Al, you know, if there are any good ideas he had for what we should talk about, and it makes sense that on the third of December, as we're recording today, we should have a little chat about getting your kit ready for the season. Yeah, you know, some people have stored it away for the last kind of twenty months, maybe not even given it any thought. So, so Al, tell us what should people be doing uh, before they uh, get on snow again.
6: Often, people when they come back from skiing don't think about their kit and you know that's from one winter to the next this has been two seasons for the vast majority of skis it's a long time to be storing your kit so for me i I'd, I'd do this every winter and for just general skis it makes total sense to just give it a good you know check over if you store your boots in the loft the loft may get really really hot in the summer and the reason why i mention this face is because it's a really classic example i know known a lot of great boot fitters this is Often a problem if you've had a stretch or work done on your boot, you start and they'll have to get hot. The plastic then relaxes closer back to its original shape. You then go to ski again. The boots are going to feel really uncomfortable. So certainly get the boots out, check them over, try them on. You know, put them on for ten, no more than fifteen minutes. Make sure you're going to be comfortable with them when you're up and about and just stood in them, and just make sure they're going to be good for for skiing. And also. We've had 20 months of, for a lot of people, a lack of activity. Maybe our body shape's changed. Maybe we've got a bit heavier. Um, and it, because of that, then our foot shape can change as well. So maybe the footbeds that you had in your boots before may may need some work. Just get the stuff out. Check it through. Make sure the mice haven't showed through them. And make sure it's <laughs> going to work from that boot perspective. But then we can talk about skis and clothing as well.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you at home. I mean, I know you have... Lots of uh, skis. Uh, you probably have quite a few sets of boots. Are you actually putting your uh, boots on and, and clipping them into your skis to, to get the full practice in?
6: Yeah, not quite that not quite that full on, but certainly, you know, it, it is always worth every season before you go skiing anyway, just popping the boots on and, and just wearing them for maybe 10 or 15 minutes around the house. Be stood up, up in them. You're not going to be running around in them, but stood up in them so you've got better blood flow through the feet. And also, it's just going to help to shape the foam inside the liner around your foot again, because it will have relaxed over that period. But then with skis as well, you know, look at the bases, especially with a black base ski. If it looks dry, it's looking a bit gray, then it just wants a bit of TLC. You know, it's been a long time. I think all of us just needs, you know, a little bit of care and attention. And skis are no different. So you can do a lot of this at home really easily. There's loads of tutorials online. You can learn how to wax it there or take your stuff into a shop to check it and the point with skis also think about the bindings if your weight has changed over lockdown maybe you're not as athletic as you were at the start of it you haven't skied in a while so maybe you're skiing um you know that your performance is going to be changed that may all impact the din that you want your bindings to be set at so it's great to go to your local ski shop and just chat these things through with them because you not only do you want to go out and your skis and boots work well for you but you want to be safe
0: for sure well i mean i think uh, you make a, a bunch of uh, uh, valid uh, points there certainly in relation to i read uh, like a survey earlier today saying uh, talking about the uh, the uh, kind of body changes that people may have been through through lockdown but when it's such a long period of time if there has been any significant change in weight either up or down then those uh, DIN settings are really important because you know if you don't hire sk- if you don't own skis like me and you hire skis when you go into the shop the first thing they ask you is what your weight is because they want to know you know how they're going to uh, how you're going to set that just in relation to the bases. Then maybe this is a subject for another uh, podcast. But you know when I was at university, it's about the only time I actually got the iron out and you know iron the wax on. You-, you don't need to go to that extent, do you? You can actually just use
6: wax and and put it on by hand right there's there are a host of different waxes that you can get yes you can iron on wax there are just you know some fantastic uh, liquid waxes that you can put on to help if it looks really dry if let's say it's a black base of a skin it's looking really dried out really gray then I would certainly recommend that somebody either wax hot waxes it which is what you're talking about hot waxes it themselves Um, learn to do that it's a great thing to learn it'll make the skis run better it'll make skiing easier or just take them to your local ski shop where they can do that they can look at the edges you know you'll get some tarnishing on the edges over this time especially if they've been in say they've been in a, a shed or a garage maybe it's a bit damp and the edges may tarnish you want to get those polished up so but it's not just hardware think about clothing too If you were use a ski helmet, has that been stored somewhere where it's really hot? Has it been stored in direct sunlight? Just just look at it and make sure that that's still looking as though it's going to be in a good, safe state for skiing. Check goggles. Make sure the foam's not started to deteriorate at all, especially if they're an older pair and they've been stored for the last two winters. Then with jackets and clothing... People don't fully appreciate that having a a ski jacket that is clean will actually not only improve how waterproof it is, because the water will hit the surface and bead up and run off, but it'll also help it breathe better. So it's really important. These are technical pieces to look after them. And you should only wash them with specialist cleaning products that you can get from a good outdoor shop or a good ski shop.
0: Cool. I mean, it sounds to me like uh, really just giving everyone an excuse to get all their ski gear out, dress up, get your ski boots on and pretend you're going to be out in the mountains uh, already, which, uh, you know, clearly everybody's going to enjoy. But that's some really good advice there, uh, Al. So thank you very much for that. Now, we're moving towards the end now. I just want to do a quick uh, mention uh, for the uh, the lead into Beijing. Uh, it's uh, about 60 days now. I don't know exactly how many, but I did notice that uh, Charlotte Banks – got the silver in the test event. Uh, I think it was a test event in China in snowboard cross. She is definitely uh, a very good shout for a medal, Um, won the world championships last year. And I was delighted to see that um, John Allen Butterworth, who regular listener, you may have uh, heard the interview I did with him. He is an Olympic medal winning or Paralympic medal winning athlete in cycling who is uh, uh, transitioning to snowboarding. And he did his first Europa Cup races uh, this week in Langraf in uh, Netherlands. And he got, uh, I think it was a fourth and a sixth overall. So he's got his first points on the board and he's on the route on that journey towards uh, Beijing. So uh, John Allen, wish you all the best. And uh, I'll put a link to the show notes to that interview. Now, we've got a couple of uh, reviews and uh, and uh, from different people. churchmand 596 that's someone on Instagram, says, great episode, thank you. Uh, Chris Price said, keep up the good work. And uh, this is a Welsh bit. I, I apologise if I don't do it justice. Lechida. Uh, Matt Hayes says... Uh, in an industry that is metaphorically navigating a gnarly mogul field, the Ski Podcast feels like cruising down a freshly pasted red in the morning sun. Uh, thanks for lifting our spirits and keeping the spirit of the mountains alive all year round. And thank you very much, uh, Matt, and also for the, uh, for the coffee that you bought me. Um, Nicola Corley, she contacted us via Facebook. She said, I like the balance of information for pros and expert skiers and newbies like me as well. Uh, Stephen Spears I'm delighted to uh, say has won our Billy Morgan competition right next to me I have a copy of his autobiography drop in which I really enjoyed he said I discovered uh, the ski podcast during the pandemic highly recommended anything that witters on about skiing all year long with good chat on conditions gear competitive snow sports and more gets my vote well hopefully we do more than uh wittering on Stephen but uh thanks for your comments uh anyway Now, I would normally say you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast, but they've done something with the payment system at the moment. So I'm trying to resolve that. In the meantime, just send me an email and say you're uh, enjoying it uh, if you are. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm always into feedback from the show. So do email me if you've got any feedback at all. But uh, otherwise... I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today. Lucy has had to rush off back to the uh, Telegraph travel desk and uh, probably see if she can line up a PCR test so she can get out uh, somewhere skiing this weekend. Uh, but I'd also like to thank uh, Nick from Mason Sport. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: Katie from Battleface Travel Insurance.
2: Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, Al from Kit Info.
6: Thank you, Ian. Always a pleasure.
0: Uh, And finally, I'd like to thank you, listener, for sharing your time with us. So until next time, goodbye.